right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the No Laying Up Golf Podcast. My name is Randy. Have a good one for you today. And I am on location. I am here in Cincinnati, Ohio at the LPGA's Kroger Queen City Championship this weekend. So excited there's an LPGA event in my hometown. The course is great. The weather is going to be great this weekend. If you happen to be listening and you live anywhere in the tri-state area, Bring your kids, bring yourself, bring some friends. It's going to be a great weekend of golf at Kenwood Country Club. I have an interview today with Angel Yin. We're going to get into a number of topics. Of course, we're going to talk about the Solheim, what that means to her. Honestly, what missing the 21 team meant to her. We're going to get into her golf game. She hit a bit of a lull in 2021. We'll get into why and then what she has done over the last couple years to really turn it around and into a spot where she has been in contention in a number of big tournaments this year. Of course, probably most notably the Chevron back in April. She made it into the playoff. Ask her about that. She is just one of our favorites on tour. She always speaks her mind. She's always got some strong takes, and I think you'll enjoy it. Before we dive into that interview, though, let me thank our sponsor, and that is our good friends at Titleist. This episode is brought to you by Titleist, and specifically the Vokey SM9 wedges. They're the most played wedge on the LPGA, PGA Tour, and across the worldwide tours. And as we approach back-to-back weeks of Team USA versus Team Europe, Vokey Wedges is giving you the opportunity to show your support for your squad with limited edition custom engraved SM9s. Head over now to Vokey.com where you can add laser-etched U.S. or European flag designs to your Vokey SM9 wedge. They asked me a few weeks ago, they said, Randy, do you want Team USA? Do you want Team Euro? I said, how could I possibly choose? My guy TC, he needs people to ride with him, so I said, go ahead and send me a Team Euro wedge. I know that's blasphemous, but I've enjoyed putting it in the bag. Great time of year to be repping it. Very cool designs. And if you would like it, head over, like I said, to Vokey.com. The flag engravings are available for a limited time on all SM9 wedges offered in a brushed steel finish. That's all 25 loft, bounce, and grind options in the Vokey SM9 lineup, available in both right and left-handed. And again, to order yours and see which SM9 wedge fits your game the best, visit Vokey.com, V-O-K-E-Y.com. I will get out of the way. I hope you enjoy the interview with Angel Yin. And again, if you happen to be around the Cincinnati area this weekend, come on out to the golf tournament. It's going to be a great time. Joined today by one of NLU's favorites, Angel Yin. Angel, thanks for being on. How are you feeling today? Thank you for having me. I feel good. I didn't know this was your hometown. This is pretty exciting. Yeah, and I, I, I should know this, but did you play last year in Cincinnati? I did, I did. I actually was, like, last few groups, I was playing pretty well, um, and then I didn't play that well on the last day, but that was, like, it was shootout course because uh, it rained out, and then if you didn't shoot, like, five or six under, you kind of were going to go backwards. All right, you're 24 years old. You got a birthday coming up. You're going to be 25 
in October. I want to start here, Angel. I was reading your bio on the LPGA website, and I want to quiz you. Do you know what your interests are on the LPGA website? Do you know what it says for your interests? I think it says hibernation, hiking, reading, fishing, probably. It says hobbies include reading, traveling, adventuring, eating, and hibernating. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about the hibernation. <laughs> talk to me about the hibernation. I mean, we're coming up here in the next couple months, right? Is it a winter know, hibernation? That is when I disappear. I mean, I disappear a lot anyways on my text messages, and I get so much crap for it. But winter is where I really just disappear. I sleep a lot. I don't sleep as much, thankfully. I think I had issues back then, like health issues that I didn't know about. But I'll sleep for like 16 hours. I think that kind of went away, which is good. <laughs> now I sleep for like 12 that's still incredible. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm older than you. I'm going to be 40 next month and like I feel like I can't sleep longer than 8 hours anymore. Oh. I wish I could sleep for 12. Anyway, 2023, I think you're having a good year. How how would you describe your year thus far? Uh well, statistically it's like my best season to date. Whether I think it's like that good, it, it like I don't know how to describe it. It's like I'm playing really really well. I feel like I could be performing even better. Obviously, like a win is what I'm hoping for. But um, overall, I'm just pretty happy. And just pretty happy I'm playing my game and just having it together more. You've put yourself in numerous positions. Is it something, I mean, of course you think about it. Is there pressure? Do Do you feel any pressure with that first win? Is that something that you kind of think about I, I know that's a little bit of a tough question I'm sorry but h- how much how much you know week to week is that in your mind when it comes down to like the last day it's like is there that much pressure not really probably a little bit like not pressure like just the nerves being nervous more like probably a chevron ever since then it kind of just like disappeared it's not like I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing I'm the, not con- come to a conclusion on that you know, I don't know why. Sometimes, like, I think mentally it gets you somewhere where you maybe want to get too aggressive, and then you just don't score that well. So I'm trying to adjust to that, but I just want another opportunity to see. Because it's almost like when I describe Solheim, you have to be in that situation to understand what's going on. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to, like, finish the job yet. But I think every single experience is meaningful, and I think that's also good. And I've been technically in contention every single major and to me that's really big because I think that will be I think that'll translate into something big in the coming years and and you said Chevron and I wanted to ask you about Chevron it it seems like was that a bit freeing then almost you know obviously coming up just short in the playoff has has that what have you noticed at the U.S. Women's Open or at the AIG Women's Open? Has it been a different feeling? Has there been less pressure, stress in that final round for you after Chevron? Uh, I think Pebble, I was more frustrated because I wanted to perform better and then, like, couldn't get anything going and then kind of just kept falling backwards and it got worse and worse and worse. Uh, And then with AIG, it was just... I mean, it was a difficult course to begin with. And then you can't really make mistakes. And then I made a few mistakes. And then you kind of just stay there. Those ho- Some of the holes, it makes the biggest difference. Like I think like 
one, two, and three. If you like don't mess up there, or no, four, one, two, three, and four. If you don't mess up there, then you're pretty set to be get under par or somewhere in, in the middle. But I messed up one of those two holes, and you know, you just it's a really tough golf course, especially with all the heather and the wind that we were playing in. And so, just happened to be on the last day because if you take that round and put it into the second round, and then you switch the rounds around, then I would it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit more about that, but I kind of want to go backwards in time a little bit. And back to 2021, uh, you said this is your best statistical season. And I'm just curious, I think it was towards the end of 2021, really after the Women's Open that year, the British Open, a string of tough, tough weeks, miscuts, but just listening to your press conference, you're, you're here directly off of your press conference. It sounds like, you know, since that time, and I don't know how quickly since that time, you've started making some adjustments in your game. You talked about uh, changing the setup a little bit with your golf clubs. You talked about making some changes with your swing. Is that kind of the time frame we're, we're, we're talking about late 2021 into early 2022? Because it seems like, you know, starting... I don't know. Well, I should ask you. When when have those changes really started to click for you? Do you think? Um, so twenty twenty one before Solheim, like British, I was. I think I was playing really really well. I think I like five, maybe six top tens, which was really good. And then I uh, <laughs> I didn't get into Solheim. I felt like I was robbed of a Solheim, but obviously. When you don't get enough points, you can't say anything, right? Because you have to play your way in. It's almost like similar to this Solheim. I didn't have a great 2020 season. I was like injured, like severely injured for most of it. Well, the entirety of it. And then actually carried over to 2021. But he managed because I, I don't know, something in me was so driven to make Solheim because that was so important in my life. That was like the most important thing in my entire life, like existence and everything, even winning a tournament, like it didn't matter. I just wanted to make Solheim. And then I think I physically fell apart when I didn't make it. I got actually like really, really sick after. But I think it's just like my body was just at its limit because it was pushing so hard to to make that goal. But I think on the bright side to me, looking back at it is like, it showed me what I was like, the route I was going down and that whatever I was doing wasn't working. I just made it work. And so towards the end of 2021, I was playing really, really bad. And then I had to withdraw from CME, um, like after the second round, I think. I think that was that year. And then um, I had to really like look into my game and then I try to fix it. And then 2022, I like was fixing a majority of the year. And so that took a bit of a time because you don't really like fix things that quickly when it's like so ingrained in you and you're playing constantly. And so, you know, I was trying to fix it. I, like, barely held it together to keep my card and my status, like, good status. I think it was very fortunate for me where the schedule worked out where I got, like, three, four months of rest. And then I got to rest. I got to, like, just practice. I had enough time. And then I came back. And then I played my first round in Saudi. Kind of got a taste of where my game is at. From there, it kind of just... And obviously, I missed the cut of PB, but PB was such a difficult golf course. Like, um, it's just really tough. But then from there, like, it kind of just steadily went up. And then with Chevron, it was really good. Can you talk about some of the changes that you were working on or some of the old habits 
that I guess some of the new habits that you were trying to build in your golf swing? Uh, I actually just went back to my basics because um, I was thinking like as a kid, as a junior, what did I lack? I was like, I lacked putting. <laughs> my putting was also like always just so bad and my ball striking was good. So I was like, well, okay, now my putting's good. Why is my ball striking so bad? So I was like, what did I change? I changed my club. I made it lighter because people on my team were telling me that like, my clubs are too heavy and I wasn't really performing on the last day. And you know, you can't play that heavy of golf club week to week. Cause I, I think my clubs are the heaviest on tour. Sitting at 125 grams, I play the C tapers. So it's like a stiff plus. And then I think they're D, D3s. So then I got a lot of crap for that in my team, within my team. So I decided to change it during COVID since we started and then had that long break. What I didn't realize is my swing started changing. I was using a lot of hands on my arms, and then that created a lot of injuries um, for my left shoulder, like nerve issues. And then I just really sat down in 2021, end of 2021. I was like, I don't understand what's changing. My, my I wasn't hitting it this bad. Like, I, what am I doing? So I was like, okay, I only changed my golf clubs. So I was like, you know, I'm going to change it back. So I started looking at everyone's golf swing from anyone on – on our tour to anyone on the PGA tour. And then obviously Tiger Swing, cause it's just very textbook. <laughs> and then I like looked at my own and then I was like, okay, my firing point is different. And so I pinpointed it on my clubs, changed it back and then try to change my swing along with it. And the feel was completely different. And then from there, it was just confidence building. Cause once you have what it takes, like you just have to build up your confidence to do it because you can play really well practice round. But when it comes down to the tournament to perform, there's a lot of like anxiety to like, you know, other like negative thoughts that are in your head and you have to overcome that. And then that's what I did for majority of last year. And then this year it's just to try to play golf. You said like pinpointing your, your firing point in your golf swing and, and really examining swings. Is that is that work you're like doing on your own? Are you working with a swing instructor? How, how did that process go? So, you know, I, <laughs> I think I'm pretty, I'm an odd person. And as I got older, I think I got more odd. So I go to see my coach here and there, but I just like wanted to do it myself because no one can ever govern your, yourself, like you better than yourself. And so I like just was like, I have to govern myself. And then that's what I did. And I felt like I lacked as much knowledge as I had of the swing. I lacked a lot of knowledge to have my swing fall apart so much. So that, so, so to me, like at that time, I like took that upon myself. Like, okay, I messed up. It wasn't anyone else. It was not my coach. It wasn't anyone else. I I messed up. And so I was like, okay, I need to do it myself more. I see them to learn more, but majority of the time I'm doing it myself. And I think it's been working. Is that how you've always been with your golf swing? I mean, growing up, were you pretty self-taught or was it a lot of... It was always coaches. Okay. I was always coaches. I saw my coach a lot uh, ever since growing up. Like I requested for my own swing coach when I was seven. So I've always stuck with a coach. I was very like textbook growing up. All of my coaches were students of Mac, Mac O'Grady, which is really funny. Um, I think it was just coincidence, like every single coach I went to. Um, and then 
I mean, I really only had two, so it's not a lot. Technically three, because I, I like started seeing Grant a few lessons here and there, and he was he's you know with Mac. And that's Grant Wait. Grant Wait, yeah, Grant Wait. But I'm still with Bobby Laskin. I do see when I'm in Orlando because I live in Orlando now. Here and there, like I'll go and see Grant. Not very often. I think I've only had like five lessons or six maybe. But I kind of just like want to learn it myself and change it up a little bit into how to fix it myself. So you're working through 2022, implementing these really kind of old old feels, old habits, and 2023, you're you're in a good spot. I mean, do you feel like now you're you're? It sounds like you're not playing golf swing per se. You're you're out there being aggressive and and playing golf. That's yeah. got to be a nice place to be. It is really nice because you're just playing golf and um, you get to enjoy it instead of like being so technical, um, seeing numbers or like, you know, looking at videos of your golf swing constantly to to like see, oh, what do I need to do to make it better? Now you can just go out there and play. Like I love shaping the golf ball and some like really embracing that. And I never actually hit a cut, but now I'm like hitting like 30 yard cuts around the trees or whatnot to to just like play golf I think that's what golf was always about to just play and I think it's funny because for the last uh, since COVID uh, 2020 mostly to 2021 and 2022 I started playing with a lot of members at my golf club and I really realized that a lot of these guys are so good at golf not because they're good (laughs) because they some of them like they swing like Charles Barkley and you're like, how, how is this person playing so good? It's because they're just getting the ball in the hole and that's what you need to do. And it doesn't matter if it's ugly when it comes down to that six footer or 10 footer, they're going to make it for like that $5 they're going to take out of your pocket. And that's like, that's what it's all about. It's, it's not even like winning the big bucks. It's about that one or $2 that they're just going to rub in your face. (laughs) I I'm I don't think they're taking too much money off of you. Come on. No, but it's it, it doesn't feel good when it's like close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I'll, I'll play as like so. I used to play as a zero. Now this year, I decided to play as a plus two, just to like. Oh, I would make you. I would make you play okay, at relax. least as a plus These people- four. <laughs> if, if any of your club members are listening to this, that's way... No, no, no. no. You don't no. understand. They say they're a four, but they'll shoot 72. <laughs> so I don't think I am sandbagging at all. <laughs> Just a little bit for everyone. <laughs> uh, you're going to hate me for asking this, but I have to ask you, in light of everything you've said, can I ask you about the approach shot on 18 at Chevron? Was that just... a bad swing at a bad time was that a bad club can for the you, playoff for the playoff can it was a bad walk? club okay we were being stupid yeah <laughs> i think i think this is the thing i think we were so shocked lilia's ball went through the trees on the right there's nobody's ball went through it was like take no prisoners the tree was like having hands grabbing golf balls and hers went through i think it clipped something like it went through though it was nice and we were like and I hit this like 20 yard cut to go around the tree. And we were like so shocked. And then like we were just like, uh, uh. It, it was <laughs> shocking because you're like, you're one of the longest players out here. Yeah. Lily is not short, but her, her position off the tee was 
so far ahead of yours. It was. I, I was wondering. The, that's, she went through the trees. Okay. I hit it like you a. Couldn't really see on the angle a, on TV. Yeah, she went through the trees. I went like a twenty yard cut, and it, you know when you hit a cut and you don't hit it that solid, you lose a bit of distance. Um, actually, and then also like my on top of that, my driver this year. I just can't get my distance there. Like my mini driver goes as far as my actual driver. Like so, I just actually switched to my mini driver since last week because just like I couldn't get my driver to actually work. And then uh, I think I might do that again this week. But she went those through the trees, and I I'm telling you, I play. I think Friday where they moved us up because we had to like finish early. It was like, um, I mean like three of us like Ryan, me, and Money. We both hit through there. Everybody's ball went straight down. It wasn't even because I have my ball really high, even though I have a like a low degree head. It just doesn't work. And because like the trees were so tall and it's so far. Everybody's ball are slowly like coming, descending down where the trees are. I know there's not a lot of leaves on those trees and just barks and, and branches, but um yeah, it was like to us it was amazing. I was like, wow, I mean, you know, okay, she should win. <laughs> but we we had a bad club. It wasn't supposed to be a five iron. It was supposed to be a four, and we we just messed up. Mm. When you look back, I promise this is the last Chevron question. When you look back on that week, what's your overriding emotion? Is it mainly positive, or is it like what what could have been? Uh, it's positive. I mean, I, th- I think it's still positive. Um, just because, you know, I wasn't really in the position of my golf. Like, if you just look at statistically where I was, like, to even be in the final group. And so I played really steady golf, and I got to myself into position. Honestly, the playoff shouldn't have even really happened. I was playing so good. And then just, like, small things here and there, small things here and there that just, like, you know, resulted in me having to make a birdie on the last hole to – force myself into a playoff and then having a missed club on the playoff hole it wasn't meant to be on that tournament then we'll just have to find another tournament <laughs> so that that's that's my attitude towards it um and I think it's still the same even though it's like everyone's like heart-wrenching because you know I haven't won a tournament yet this year but it is what it is it's coming yeah I, I truly believe that uh we saw you in last time I saw you in person was at the U.S. Open, Pebble Beach, and you said something that I really loved, and I hope you don't mind me sharing it. It was Sunday night. We were having dinner. Uh, you came in, and you were talking about how you love difficult golf courses, and I love hearing that, and I was just hoping you could expand on why that is and also what have been, you know, year to year, what are some of your favorite stops? and how much you enjoyed playing both Pebble Beach and Walton Heath for the British Open. So the reason why I like difficult golf courses, it makes you think. It's like you're playing golf more than just being talented, like just be, like working hard like as a professional. It's like, uh, if I can make it into an example, it's like at your golf club with your you know Sunday golfer, with like, a, let's just say a five handicapper. When you play a difficult golf course, it's like almost everyone can have a game going because it's not easy for a professional golfer, nor is it easy for a five handicapper. But you have to maneuver your way around. But if you go to a golf course where it's like a shootout, 
it's you're gonna be better because you're gonna be hitting it closer you're gonna make the putts whereas like your five handicappers just kind of you know hanging out there in my opinion i i always think to me it's like and i'm a eight handicapper so take this for what it's worth but I, I always think that the best golf courses are the ones where it, it fully engages your mind and your creativity. Usually that has to do with how the ball is going to move on the ground or offering a lot of different ways to play a shot, whether it's high in the air, low on the ground. Um, you know, I think that's what Lynx golf obviously is. That's that's why a ton of people love Lynx golf, just because there's so many different ways to play these shots. And for me, it gets me out of my head in that I, it's like, you know, when you, when you go to, I don't know, I lived in Florida, and when there's a lot of water, and it, and it just kind of feels like you're standing on the tee, and you got to hit it to this target, this yardage, and then from there, you got to hit it this yardage onto the green. It's almost like just playing target golf. And yeah, like shootouts are usually just target golf. Yeah. yeah. And it's like you guys are good enough where it's like, hey, hit a 160 yard shot. Like you guys can do that. I'm not that good. But when when you introduce variables where, well, what's the ball going to do once it lands? Can, can I, you know, can I roll it up? Can I play a low running shot? That's when it gets really good. Um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, Canada was a great example. Did you enjoy Shaughnessy at the Canadian Women's Open? Um, <laughs> or was it just hard? Maybe it wasn't. I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I wasn't in the great greatest headspace because I was still like lingering from the British because I was so disappointed. Um, but I think overall it was a good golf course. Um, you can hit a lot of shots, shot shaping, you know, fading it, hooking it. Um, it is more fun of a relatively of a golf course. And I, I do agree, like, when you play on, like, difficult golf courses, you're not just hitting one shot. Like, ball to straw. You can, like, oh, ball to straw is pretty straightforward. <laughs> That's but Walton tr- Heath, you probably could yeah. hit a ton of different shots. Correct. Pebble probably demanded a lot of different shapes and See, the thing with Pebble, <sighs> I mean, this is going to be so controversial. <laughs> this is going to be so controversial. <laughs> the thing with Pebble, to me, was, like, a bit of a disappointment. Um, I played in the TaylorMade Invitation at the end of the year, last year, because I didn't make it to the CME. So I got to experience, like, what the setup was like. They, they, they grew out the rough, and the greens were extremely fast. I go to our US Open, the greens were really slow, and then the grass was really, uh, you know, spotty. It was interesting. Um, I just didn't know what to make of it. Like, I don't understand why they... I mean, this is what I heard. I heard this. Don't quote me on this, but I heard this. Someone says <laughs> they don't know how to set it up for women's because they've never had a women's event, and so that's why they set it up. Which, which easier. is true. They've they've never held a, a women's they, US that's Open true. There. So that's why they didn't set it up. They didn't know how to set it up, and so they just set it up like the way they did. And then it, I was just thinking, like, why can't you just set it up like a normal? Golf course, like how you would play, let's just say a TaylorMade, the TaylorMade invitation. Like, what's the difference? Like, even if we shoot like over par to win, like, give us the experience. Don't rob us of an experience just because you don't know how we play. It's like, 
we'll make it work. Girls, like the one thing about our game is like, we'll make it work. We might not have the length. We might not have the best ball striking, but we, I think our putting is one of the best and we'll make it work. We'll just like get it together. And so like, I don't know. I just feel like we were robbed of experience because some person didn't think they didn't know how to set up a women's tournament. And it was just, that's what I heard. And I was like really disappointed with that. Let me, let me offer a counter theory, something I've heard that also makes sense to me. And I'm curious what you would think is something like the U S open. One of the, if not the biggest tournament of the year in women's golf, it's going to get a lot of, you know, maybe first time viewers, casual viewers, the theory went, if we set up a golf course that is very difficult where, you know, over par wins, we don't want people seeing the women play for the first time to think, ah, they're not that good. And I don't know how you, you balance those things because I think it's, you know, it's a U.S. Open. You know, even par should be sacred. You know, I, I love a tournament where two over par might win. I don't know what you think of that kind of counter theory. So, yeah, everyone always brings that up because they want to, like, showcase women and how, like, we're really, like, not that bad. But, um... Which almost seems a little insulting. Like, let me just say that. <laughs> it, it, I mean, we're kind I of mean, dancing around the is. issue truth, here. Truth, truth. Yes. Everyone says truth hurts, but it's just the truth. What's the problem with speaking about it, right? I mean, I, I completely hear that. Um, but I would go back to what Padraig said about LACC. That was the best greens I've ever put on everyone's putting was a lot better. When you give us good greens, we'll putt better. If you give us like bumpy, slower greens, it's difficult to make putts. I think that's what happened at Wilshire this year. That's why like the winning score was nine under when historically it's always been like double digits to high double digits. This year it was nine under, but the greens were horrendous. It was like slow, out of the mind slow. Like I couldn't hit a putt hard enough. And I was like, Wilshire has these great putts that are like once you get past the pin, but um, you have to put defensively. Like there is no way sometimes to like stop the ball. If you go directly at the hole, you have to go, you know, two feet to the right or two feet to the left, you know, to stop the ball just behind the hole and then to make two putts. So Wilshire is a great golf course like that because, you know, it's very rewarding. You have to think about it, how to play it. But at the same time, you can shoot really low scores. But this year, I mean, my gosh, the greens were so slow. Like, I didn't know, like, I was shocked why the greens were so slow. And then you look at the score, like, nine under. And we've always played low there. So when you give us bad greens, I think you putt bad. And Podrick said it perfectly. Like, if you give us good greens, we're going to putt well. Yeah. Do you think week to week they could set up your courses a lot more difficult? What do you make of, in general, the week to week setups on the LPGA? Other than the majors? Other like than just, the majors. Um, I don't think you can make it that much harder. Cause okay. It's just, I think everyone's playing better. Um, like last week, it was 26 under. I think that's the second lowest ever 72 hole square. Seon has like the first, which is like 31 under. That's <laughs> I think she shot every single round under 65. It's pretty wild. If you make the greens really wet, then the ball stops exactly where it is at, then a scoring average is going to be lower. Um, but other than that, like, you know, week to week golf courses, it's just going to, it's going to be pretty low. If you make the greens nice, if you make the greens like 
at an eight or a nine. I think the score is going to be a little high. <laughs> what are what are your favorite stops, non-major? What are your favorite stops each year for the golf course? I actually really like this golf course. Yeah, so last year we got rained out. I didn't even get to see the back nine. And then I went out and played, played fine because it's very straightforward. It's um, a challenging golf course, but at the same time, um, it's all right in front of you. And there's not much, like, Mickey Mouse stuff anywhere. It's a good golf course. I always liked Lake Merced, so I hope we can go back after their entire renovation. It looks so good. They're just the pictures I've seen. Really? It looks so good. Wow, that's exciting. Uh, I mean, the course itself before was not bad. So excited to see the whole entire thing. You know, I never really appreciated Wilshire because I don't really think it fits my game. I think I hit one driver throughout the entire golf course, <laughs> the setup. Um, but I think it's a good golf course, the one that we play at. And, you know, it's just really good. And I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say Pelican, not because it's a good, the greatest design, <laughs> but I think they try really hard for us. Yeah. I think that calls for something. But they, they always, like, make the golf course, like, set up, like, condition-wise really well. Um, and they try really hard for us. I got one more. How about uh, Upper Montclair for the Founders? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I, that's, like, one of my favorites to watch. I, yeah. th I think it's a very proper course. It is a really good course. I, I hope the tournament can kind of stick there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I do like that course. I completely forgot about it. All right. Last thing I want to ask you about is Solheim. You mentioned earlier how much of a motivating factor. I mean, it sounded like that was the motivating factor for you back in 2021. Obviously, we're left off of that team. Let's start here. Where were you and how did you find out that you had made this year's team? Well, Stacy came and spoke to me at British. My attitude to it this year, I have to admit, uh, only close people in my life know about this. But I mean, I can say it. It changed where it's really important. But... It wasn't like, you know, life or death for me where I was, it was like that before. I was, you know, put so much importance on being able to wear red, white, and blue and represent our country that I, like, I really got so sick afterwards. It was like, I couldn't even get out of bed. And then the experience afterwards and what I heard afterwards was like, I think it was just too much for me to handle. And um, like my reality collapsed a little bit. This year, my mindset is more peaceful going in. It's like, if I make it, I make it. If not, I have other goals I need to do. And then Stacey came up and spoke to me about the British saying I was close. And I didn't really want to think about it because I wanted to go out and win the British. So she was like, you're in right now, but you got to play. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Because I really didn't know how to look at the points. To me, it was like too complicated. Like the, the Rolex and then like, I don't know, I don't know how to do this right now. So... Um, yeah, and then after after my round at Canada, she, like, pulled me into the room to speak to me. She was like, you're in, but we don't know how you're going to be in now. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was in. She goes, well, Andrea finishes 13th or better. She gets in on points. And she finishes 13th. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But she goes, don't worry. You're, you're, um, you're, you're going to be in. I'm going to choose you. I was like, oh, that's awesome. So... Um, it definitely feels really good. And then I kind of just have the mentality to like prep for it for till two weeks from now. Do you know much about Finca Cortisan? 
that's the for anybody listening that's the golf course where the Solheim Cup will be in Spain no not really I've I've played the Aramco tournament across the street um so it's pretty similar that's what everyone keeps telling me but it's really hilly I heard I've heard that too I I know the area is really windy but Stacy told me when she went and played, it was like no wind. It's like when I played, I couldn't even stand up. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it's it's a bit of a tough walk. Gorgeous views. Uh, I think it'll be really pretty. Probably, I don't know how they'll set it up for spectators, but I, what I've heard, maybe three, four, or five holes that might be almost inaccessible just because of the layout and well like how hilly and like rocky it is i guess at some points i've never seen it for myself uh, did you see on twitter where they took a video of the first tea stand half of the stands was like like staked on a mountain yeah. <laughs> it's just like drop off <laughs> <laughs> not sure i'll be up in those stands. i know i think i'll be on the left side where it's like better yeah but, um, uh this will be your third appearance now on the solheim cup team at 24 years old, I mean, dare we call you a veteran? With, <laughs> with six rookies, I think you have to be. Um, yeah, I, I guess the title of being a veteran is there. Um, it, it's funny because everyone's always like, oh, what do you have to say for the rookies? Like, what advice do you have? It's like, you know, what is there to say to them? They're very experienced already. And you have to experience it. That's the only thing. There's nothing you can describe in words how it's going to be other than having them experience it. And truthfully, like, if anyone speaks, it has to be Lexi. Just play, like, six of them. You know, I, I don't know. I, I always think those questions are really silly. Like, what do you have to say to them? Like, you know, like, it's almost like, you know, like, kind of speaking down to your, like, your senior speaking down to a freshman. It's like, well, just go out there and do your thing. There's nothing to say to you about. If you calm, if you're, like, not calm, just stay calm. <laughs> just, you know, do your job. <laughs> Play golf. Uh, has Stacy asked you, or will she ask you, when when you look towards like potential foursome or four ball partner? Is that something that she solicits your input on, players' inputs, and who might you think would be a, a good match for you potentially? So, I don't know if I could say this, but we're not doing pods this year. So you know, historically, we've always done the pod with, I think Paul Azinger did it, right? Yeah, the, the infamous pods after yeah. the Azinger, which I think have, you know, they, they work well when well executed, but... I think they work well in certain groups, yeah. not every single time. Yeah. So Stacey's taking that out, which I think is really good, because truthfully, we're out there as a team of 12. If you break it up, we're not playing as fours, and you don't even get to see half of your teammates, so... What's the point of that? Then we should just play in fours, right? We're playing a group of 12. We need to, like, you know, play together as a team, bond together as a team, do everything as a team. Um, I think that would be very helpful. She took our input um, of who we want to play with, like, on a one scale, like, one of five scale. So she is really listening to us and I think really feels like teamwork. We're all, like, a f big family now is instead there of being separated. Yeah, is that, I mean, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing. You don't have to tell me who, like, on the low end of your scale oh. is, but <laughs> is. Is there anybody personality or, or game-wise where you guys mesh that I, you, you know, think you could pair well with? I think Lexi. I mean, obviously, I want to play with Allie, too, because we did really well at Gwen Eagles. Mm -hmm. um, I think we tied a record, 7-5. But I think Lexi's really high up there, too, because 
you know, I don't know, the theory in my head where it's like you have a long aggressive hitter versus a short conservative doesn't really ma match in my head because let's just say I'm a long aggressive. I hit it into the woods. I'm pretty sure the person who's hitting it like 240 doesn't understand what it's like to hit it in the trees and be like, what is this other than fairway? Because they only hit it in the fairway. Because <laughs> I, I really realized that when I was playing with Lizette, I think I, like, I never played alternate shots. I played four ball. But then, you know, when you watch her play, she's always in the fairway, always on the green. She placement everywhere. And then, like, I'm in the trees there. And I'll make the same score as her. But, you know, I'm in the trees, like, deep in the trees. And then, like, that's just, like, different game. But, like, Lexi, I'm not saying she's always in the trees, but... You know, when you hit it long, you do get into those uh, scenarios where uh, it's a little bit tougher and not just on short grass, tight grass in the fairway. And I think, you know, when you play alternate shot, that's something you want. Maybe not in four ball, but an alternate shot, I think that is something that you want. Similar game instead of like opposite game. That's such a good point. I'm not, I don't think I've ever quite thought of it in those terms though. But yes, for alternate shot, because you want to play as one, yeah. like a one person that's playing. You, you want to play from spots you're kind of used to playing from. Yeah. Uh, even the bad spots. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was playing with Brittany, Brittany Altamari at Dow a few years ago. I put it in like, the trees. We were playing alternate shot. I was, I was like looking. I didn't say anything, but I was like, oh, I can go through this hole right there, right there. It's going to work. And then she just punched out to the right. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just like different. And then you kind of feel sorry because it's like, She's never been in trees before, and you're like, oh, <laughs> just do whatever you want. I'll make it work, right? Um, so that's where I really started to feel like, you know, I think you want to play with someone that's the same game as yours and not different because <laughs> I think that's the ultimate thing for alternate shot. You want to play as one. Last question: How how do you how have you like Stacy? What do you, talk to me about kind of her leadership style? Or are you looking forward to her leading the squad in Spain? Um, I've only like so Julie is the only captain I've ever played under. Um, and then obviously there was Pat. I didn't get to play under her, but I got to experience how she like bonds the team. Stacy took a very really different approach. Our last meeting as a team was at Upper Montclair. So that was a while ago. And she said, this is going to be the last meeting. You guys go out there and, and just play. I don't need to be interfering. You guys are all competitors, and you guys know what you're doing. I don't need to keep doing all these team meetings and stuff. She, she really lets us do our thing and just it's free birds. And then she goes, the next time I'll speak to you is pretty much when we pick our team. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I think she spoke to me at British, not because, like, yeah, that's when she needs to speak to people. I think she spoke to me because to encourage me because I was like, you know, just like so nonchalant about everything. She was like, hi, hey, you're close. I was like, okay, that's really cool. But um, yeah, I think Stacy, as a player who's also complete, competing and playing week to week, really understands it more and her approach will be fresher. A little bit unorthodox, but just different. Yeah, I lied. I, I heard you relate a funny anecdote. Uh, how how pissed are you at Megan Kang for going out and winning, and now you get introduced as the lone Solheim <laughs> Cup member without a win? Could, um, could you kind of talk about how that came about? No, I mean, she deserves a win. And you know, what's really funny is, like, next morning when we did our press uh, for as the Solheim picks, uh, 
Cece goes, statistically, Megan is the best fit for Canada's golf course to win. And I was like, wow. And she won. So good for her. But, um, yeah, I was a little shocked on Golf Channel. I think it was like I couldn't really see anything. could only hear my earpiece. And then a guy, I think with an Irish accent, goes, oh, yeah, this is Angel Yin. She's uh, the only person that hasn't won on the tour. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. To me, I think, I think it was really cool because that means I played so consistent that um, – from April to now, that I didn't need a win to get myself in contention uh, of making this all time. Obviously, I got picked at the end of the day, but um, I was right there. Uh, that just shows to me myself how well I was playing. Now I hope I win, maybe this week, so I don't get introduced like that in Solheim. <laughs> I was going to say, you still got time. Yeah, I got one more tournament. I got one more go before I get introduced like that in Solheim, so... Hopefully well, I do something big. I was gonna say, kick some ass this week. You like the course. Uh, we'll, we'll. I look forward to watching you, and we'll definitely we'll see you over in Spain. And can't wait to watch the Solheim uh, Cup. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Angel. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.